doing out there? Happy Friday. Welcome to a Wordhole Media presentation of Major League A-Holes in the Hole. I'm Pete. I'm Ryan. You are in the hole with Major League A-Holes at MajorLeagueAholes.com. We have a special show this week, as we always do. We might be talking about the best team in the American League right here to start out. Uh, we've got some uh, San Francisco Giants news as well that we'd love to talk about. We've got plenty of mediocre Chicago baseball to talk about between the Cubs and Sox. And, of course, we have plenty of shit you couldn't make up this week. Uh, it's a special week for that, for sure. And I would say a very special asshole of the week this week. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kind of building off of oh, last my. week, if you guys yeah, tuned we... into episode 61. Yeah, yeah. You know, as Smitty said, I'm getting, Pete's getting good at this. He left a cliffhanger for a lead in <laughs> for next week. So, yeah, all 35 people are breathlessly yes, waiting, waiting all, to end all, the conclusion of this cliffhanger that you'll know about shortly. You know, if we do it correctly, we'll just accidentally pretend the broadcast gets cut off and let them go <laughs> for another week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll see what I can do in post production there. <laughs> Well, anyway, get, get us started with yeah, your. Can we go ahead? Can we go ahead and jump into the news? Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents this week in baseball. I think the biggest story, at least in the American League, is the Oakland fucking A's, as we like to call them here, that I am garbed up in right now. Um, yeah, an 11-game winning streak. Uh, that's pretty good. It's actually historic, considering they're the first team in Major League history to start out 0-6 and to have a 11-game winning streak at any point in the season, let alone the week after. Uh, it's never happened before. So if you thought it was strange, it is fucking strange. Uh, part of that 11-game winning streak, unfortunately, came against my Detroit Tigers. Uh, Four-game sweep, uh, including two shutouts. Uh, the final game was a little more competitive, the four-game series on Sunday. Uh, but, of course, the Tigers came up short when Victor Reyes lost a ball in the sun. And... <laughs> Uh, led to the game-winning walk-off, dropped outfield, non-catch. Uh, kind of a deflating way for the Tigers to lose the series, but in another incredible way for the Twins to, or for the A's to win. You sent me a text after another amazing win by the A's. Speaking of, speaking of A's are magic. I think that was a perfect way to perfect way to sum up what's been happening in in Oakland these days. After the the Twins, what game was that? Was that Tuesday or Wednesday when they uh, walk off error, like throw to throw to first base? Uh, the A's ended yeah. up winning twelve to thirteen to twelve. I think was the final. Just yeah. insane. Alex Colome came in and he he essentially yeah. did get the job done. After he blew the save, he was he was in line to get the job done, and then Minnesota committed two errors in a row. Yeah, first run came home on a bobbled ball, a drop ball at second. Second, the the winning runs come in on a hot shot to third, but a play that 
any any third baseman should have made throw over to first. It's it was a long throw across the diamond. Yeah. I'm not going to say that, but it wasn't even in the ballpark of first base. No. I mean, it was what like 20 feet wide. I yeah. mean, I mean, it was laughable. It, it was laughable, and and it was the weird thing is that I think it's the eight. I don't know if it was the A's or the Twins broadcast. I was hearing they. I think it was the A's because they're like. Well, that's not an easy throw. And like right on cue, it goes sailing like 20 feet yeah. down down the right field line. And I'm just like, wow. I mean, one of the twins qualities you always hear about is, you know, they're they're you know, they're they have the ability to to generate to to uh, manufacture runs. I mean, although they were the home run leaders a few years back, but you know, and and they have very, very uh study and sure defense, which was not the case at all. The other thing I can think of is it may have been a rushed play based. I forget who was actually at the plate at the time, but they may have, it may have been closer. It may have been a slower mm-hmm. ball, but it was, shouldn't have been a difficult throw, but I, I think the A's are magic is, is the be- best way to best way to sum it up. That series also included a fairly historic uh, double header where the A's sh- shut out the twins in both halves of the, of the double header for the first time since 1974 when Vita Blue and Catfish Hunter combined on a do- doubleheader shutout. Which I'll I tell think you is, what, that Catfish Hunter, he was a hell of a pitcher. That's got to be like the coolest name combination of a sh- doubleheader of all time. Vita Blue and Catfish Hunter, that's just fucking cool. I love that shit. But I heard uh, uh, some interesting factoids and what might be explaining what the what the A's are doing, how they're doing it. Uh, in this 11-game winning streak now, they've hit 21 home runs and only given up six, which is pretty impressive. Uh, the I was listening to the Baseball Tonight, ESPN Baseball Tonight podcast, Buster Olney and Hembo. I forget the guy's real name, but they call him Hembo. He had all these stats about it. Um, the A's are throwing a league-leading 60% fastballs. When you hear so much about spin rates and you know spinning the ball and curve, you know, off-speed yeah, right. stuff, the A's are doing the opposite. They're kind of zagging when everyone else is zigging, which is kind of kind of their mo. Um, thinking of the Moneyball era, uh, they're throwing fastballs when everyone else is throwing throwing off-speed stuff, and they're particularly focused on the outside of the plate. Uh, outer half so maybe that is could explain part of why they're confounding batters right now i think a lot of it has to do with just wackiness in the first 20 games of the season um this uh, like i mentioned before this is historic how a team loses six then wins six in a row and then wins 11 in a row it hasn't happened before so um i think it's a bit of an, an anomaly but you could look to those numbers and what they're actually doing and maybe point towards wh- why this is actually happening, but whatever. I mean, it's working out for the A's. I think, I think they're all pretty happy about it. Um, it just I sucks. Mean, yeah. I mean, I think, I think like, who do they, I can't remember who did they start the season with? Uh, yeah. Competition could have to do with it too. Uh, I forget who their opponents were. They played Houston a few times, I think already. Yeah. Before Houston had like all the co- 
COVID things and yeah and same thing with the twins the twins had a lot of guys out with well yeah you could definitely look at that with the astros and the twins both having as you mentioned and then you know then they beat up on the hapless tigers you know that are a, a who are pretty, coming in hot too they, they were, were coming in hot, hot but they're coming in hot after beating up on the astros which is <laughs> strange so it's such a weird, weird yeah year so already I think we could chalk up, chalk some of that up to randomness and the and the opponents, but you're right. Yeah, I think there. I mean, it is remarkable and fun to talk about, and they oh, are yeah. leading the a hole standings. So yeah, when you when you win eleven games in a row, there's going to be a mixed bag of of just you know good play and a lot of and some luck in there, and they definitely have had a decent amount of luck, you know. <laughs> You could say they might need to make a second Moneyball movie because of this, though, because they're more than halfway to the major feat that they accomplished in 2001 or 2003, whatever, that, whatever year that was based on, when they won 20 games in a row to set the major league record, which was Billy Bean's greatest accomplishment to this point. So they're, they're more yes. than halfway there. So They're living on a prayer. So, yeah, congratulations, A's. You are leading the A-hole standings after two weeks, um, two and a half weeks. So... Uh, I think that leads us right into their right across the bay to their San Francisco brethren. Yeah, uh, I think the, you, uh, I think we've got a lot to talk about with the Giants over there with an eleven and seven record. I think. Next question. The next question because it was stupid. He hits it high. He hits it deep. It is Sorry, uh, Papa's feeling pretty uh, delicious right now. Gonna step into the box, go three for four, eight RBIs, Gahim. Uh, yeah, the uh, Giants won again last night. They're 12 and seven now. Um, I, uh, uh, due to the, uh, and we'll get into this in a little bit, due to the White Sox lack of baseball, I've been able to tune into uh, a lot of Giants baseball. Um, yeah. We had a we had a fun little game in Philly the other night where the Giants slugged out four homers to win uh, seven to six uh, against the Phillies and and you know this kind of is still coming off of last year where they like seem to find an offense again but you know my complaint was it was couldn't sync up because you know last year they had an offense but didn't have a defense uh, not a defense they didn't have like good pitching. Oddly enough, the, the Giants have, uh, you know, they're kind of middle of the pack in offense, but they are able to like generate some high scoring affairs and they can slug it out. And, you know, a lot of the reason they're, they're in the middle is uh, an example of uh, someone I know you want to talk about, Buster Posey. Uh, he has uh, four homers already. He had a total of seven uh, two years ago. Yeah. But he has four RBIs. So there's no one on base when. Uh, <laughs> When he's hitting these uh, long balls, which is which a lot in that seven to six victory um, uh, in in Philly, I think there was one two run homer, and I think the rest were solo shots. So, um, you know they they are they are slugging the ball. They have that power. But what has been what was something I said was a glaring issue has turned out not to be, and that's their bullpen. Mm. Their bullpen has been rock solid. Their pitching ranks fourth in the majors. Yeah, that was going to be and my I, little factoid I wanted to I, throw in. And I did, I, I did not see that coming. I, I, you know, looking at the team, and I guess there were so many unknowns. I just expected to have some sort of hiccup along the way, kind of like what the Sox bullpen has had. 
um, who has more veteran players on that, on that staff. But um, I mean, they've got McGee who's, who's converted uh, seven out of eight saves. Now uh, he's locked down at the end. You've got guys coming out with minuscule ERAs of under one uh, to, to, to get the holds in the game. And, they are just playing very balanced right now. Um, again, some of them might be who they've played too. They've, I think they've had Seattle twice, who's not very good. And yeah, um, the Phillies are kind of what we talked about where that division is just kind of outside of the Braves is just kind of like the same team over and over again, but the, the Braves are not, not, playing up to snuff right now but like i mean everyone's almost like 500 in that division so um it is what it is it's kind of a vanilla division like you talked about um in our preseason preview so again i think some of the record is is due to who they played but they kind of hung they hung with the dodgers and they they took the series from san diego so and Man. san diego if san diego keeps racking up these injuries they're they're going to be nowhere to be found probably they aren't going to win the division uh, I, by seven games as i had predicted no, only de before definitely this, not so. i mean the dodgers are on their way to winning the division yeah. by seven games but um with uh 14 and five record but um I think a, another really interesting story is, I don't know if you heard about this one, but the backup catcher uh, for Posey for the Giants, Caselli, has caught five consecutive shutouts. Wow. Which has never been done before. Uh, like, I don't know, it might be done elsewhere, but I know within the Giants organization, he had tied some record from back in the early 1900s when he caught the fourth, but now he's caught the fifth. So the that's a... It's one team to like, it's one thing like on any team, no matter how good or bad they are to like, you know, win the game and, 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 uh, you know, keep guys off the base path. It's another thing to have like five shutouts over like a, I think it's over a 10 game span too. So like the pitching is getting it done and you, you don't have that feeling as a Giants fan right now of like, oh, are we going to be able to generate enough offense or are we going to, go to extra innings and lose the game one nothing because then we've you know stretched the game out too long like that feeling's not there i mean they won last night three nothing and it was like never even like broke a sweat as a fan watching that game against the marlins last night i mean it was and again like they're playing the marlins now who i think benefited last year which we talked a little bit about this what teams benefited from these weird covid schedules when they mm. got shut down for like a week and then benefited from that. And I think that we're seeing a little bit right now in the early part of the season that maybe the Marlins are definitely one of those teams. So we'll see, we'll see when they get into playing the West more, they haven't played the West that much yet. You know, they've just, they've been right. outside their division and, and the NL West is, is actually a pretty good division. So it's the um, best I would say by far. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see what happens, but I, I mean, they've already exceeded my expectations yeah. for what's going to be the month of April next week, which I'm assuming next week we'll kind of do our, like how, how we thought our fairest team for the first month of the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, outside of like, a outside of coming on next week and they're down to 500, I'm, uh, I'm pretty freaking happy with, with their performance. Well, you mentioned Buster Posey, and I happen to be wearing my Posey Sucks 
uh, ass face of the franchise t-shirt uh, you can get at aesthetics.shop um, ironically wearing it because Posey does not suck but it's makes me laugh every time I see it but um, yeah I mean Posey's on my fantasy team is, is part of why I've kind of been looking at his stats he's you know you mentioned he's got four home runs he hit two of those in one game this week uh, his he's batting 310 uh, his OPS is 989 so far. So he, he's getting it done kind of out of, out of nowhere. You know, he, I had the final pick of this year's fantasy draft, the major league holes fantasy draft. And I made Buster Buster Pelosi, my final pick, Mr. Irrelevant yet. He is producing better than most catchers across the league. So I think that's I, really interesting. Yeah, it's always funny how players seem to suddenly have a renaissance when their contract is up. Mm, so. That is interesting. I think that's Good. what the Cubs that's what the Cubs were hoping for with 18 guys and a contract <laughs> here. But well, speaking uh, of the Cubs, right? Yeah, why don't we go ahead and jump into some Cubs news? Uh some may say a Cubs rub. All right. Here's the rub. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Who stings? And another thing I'm going to say. I've won over 1,800 games in the manager, and I'm not a damn dumb. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. I don't know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. Well, the Cubs are now 500, uh, which is nice. They are now officially at the Mendoza line, batting Mendoza. 200 as a team. Finally, they, they had to claw yeah, their way back. I didn't even realize as a team they're only batting 200. Well, I, that's been the, I, thought there, I thought there were some other guys who were carrying it to make it a little bit higher. Well, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was well below. They were There was this, we talked about it last week or the week before, where they were the whole team was batting worse than the league average for pitchers I mean, at one point. So they were worse than bringing up a pitcher to bat collectively so that's encouraging <laughs> they're they're still last in batting average for for what it's worth uh they are 500 which is pretty amazing it had certainly an interesting week uh starting out with the braves last weekend uh shit the bed in game one i don't even remember what happened there but game two was the the significant one to start um where they finally scored 13 runs an offensive explosion that equaled I think the 13 runs they scored on Saturday was equal to their previous six games combined, which just tells you mm. where they, where they were at. Um, that was nice to see. Uh, but they ended up losing the series to the Braves, who have been kind of surprisingly mediocre. Um, I, I think I picked them to go to the World Series. I don't know what I did. I'll have to look that up again. But um, then the the Mets come to town and you know i thought i thought the i thought the cubs are a mediocre team until i saw the new york mess that i love to talk about <laughs> and they they came they came to town and said hey hold my beer because they wanted to show you what shitty baseball looks like and, and that that's that's what we saw this week with just myriad errors they had a, one game with four errors where the cubs scored 16 runs uh the previously inept offense uh exploded again not not due to the long ball which is responsible for most of their runs they they just scored on multiple errors and just get putting the ball in play and the the mets don't like to see the ball in play apparently because 
basically all panic, over the dial. There's a panic yeah. of that on that team when the balls hit. It's like a little league team, kind of. Yeah. Well, they came in as don't leaders hit the balls of the. They came in as leaders of the NL East, and that's that's a sad indictment of the quality of the NL East at this point, which I thought was going to be the best division in baseball. Um, the uh, Cubs ended up sweeping them to get back to 500, like I mentioned. So that's cool. I don't know really what that means because I haven't seen a worse baseball team this year than the Mets. So uh, little little tidbits here and there. The Chris Bryant hit his uh, fourth and fifth home runs in the same game earlier this week uh, in the 13th game of the year, actually. And that surpassed his total of product, uh, home run production of all of 2020, which I thought was interesting um, in 34 games where everyone wanted to, people like David Kaplan wanted to trade Chris Bryant in the offseason at his the lowest point in his value in his entire career just because he was angry and wanted to punish the player, I guess. There's no oh, there's no logic behind it, but it wasn't just Cap. There's plenty of people that are upset with Chris Bryant's declining production and wanted to get rid of him in the offseason. I've gone over and over again why you don't do that, the myriad reasons, and now you see why. Like He's already boosted his value, not that it's skyrocketing or anything, but it's already better than it was last year, and he, he's off to a really good start. So that's why you don't panic get emotional and and you know trade trade your highest assets at their lowest value so my by the way i've got a lawnmower going by my window right now i don't know if you could do that i just heard that i wasn't sure if that was that or it was like the movie casino and there's a plane landing on a on a well, on a on a golf course nearby or something i think the lawn lawnmower <laughs> almost went through my window right there so hopefully that doesn't happen again but i'm okay don't worry all about right it. i'm glad you're okay no blades <laughs> flying at you yeah i'm okay chris bryant seems to be okay i think he's yeah. probably healthy for the first time in a while so yeah, hopefully exactly. hopefully that continues um i mean i think can... I, I wish we could get this word out so more people would listen to this podcast because the amount of times you and i are right on things uh, i don't <laughs> want to toot our own horn but Guys, we, we we understand baseball. We know baseball. We watch it. Well, and it's just really from watching the game and studying the game. And and you know we're not going to steer you wrong. Are we right a hundred percent of the time? No, but no one is. So like, but we're we we do a pretty good job here. We know what the fuck we're talking about. And Smitty and I've agreed with Smitty the whole time. Like to trade Chris Bryant, to trade Chris Bryant to the Sox before the season even started. Yeah. Uh, like all of, none of that made any sense. And, and speaking of like trading people, I know, I know he's, uh, and he's under contract, like Craig Kimbrell's quickly turning into a blue, a blue chip for the Cubs yeah. and could, could render, you know, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but could render a pretty, Nice freaking haul at the at the trade deadline. He had one shaky outing this this week. Uh, yeah, two nights ago, he but that, he loaded, yeah, he loaded the bases. He still got out of it. That. Yeah, he got out but, of it. I mean, he he's the crafty veteran that. I mean, all signs are pointing to the Cubs dumping everything at the trade deadline and restarting whatever you want to call it, rebuild, <laughs> uh, retool, whatever, and. If that's the case, then Craig Kimbrell is the prototype for the type of player you trade to get the most in return at the trade deadline. And if he keeps this up, they're going to get a boatload in return for him, which is just awesome. Um, it's good to see, you know, because he is a Hall of Famer. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I he's shit. I had him on my fantasy team once. He fucking yeah. produced back in the yeah. day. I mean, he's 
Yeah, I, I got nothing. You know, he's and he seems like a cool dude. So like, you know, like I've never seen anything negative really about him or anything. He's growing but, out the Eddie Vedder hair and beard right now. He kind of yeah. looks like Vedder on the mound. So yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a that's a good story. One I think the biggest story of this week with the Cubs though is one Javi Baez who everyone loves, everyone loves to talk about. He he makes his presence known one way or the other on the field, good or bad sometimes. Um he's off to a terrible start once again. Uh and there's fans in the stands. Yeah. That's, so, Ryan. that's the thing. So, his, Smitty. His laundry list of reasons, a.k.a. excuses, whichever way you'd like to look at it, uh, why he struggled all of last year and why he's struggling this year. His list is dwindling as fans are in the stands. He's allowed to watch video again between between at-bats. Um, we could say cold weather. I, I would say his fucking approach might be the major issue where he's swinging at everything, whether it's in the zone, close to the zone, Far from the zone, uh, feet from the zone, he will swing at it. And uh, he did uh, make history this week. I, I love bringing up this history. It's a, it's amazing how many. It's a, it's a. We should call this episode history. Yeah. Well, it, it, there's there's amazing shit happening. So we've got to talk about it. Where he's the first player since 1978 to have a four strikeout night which we'd like to call the golden sombrero yes the golden sombrero yes follow that up the next night with a grand slam uh which is part of the 16 to 4 outburst that they had against the mets but um he was the first to do that since 1978 uh gorman thomas i don't know if you remember that name from the milwaukee mm. uh, there's some there were there's a lot of i remember thurman thomas well, Gorman Thomas. I I think we should do oh, our. No, no, I'm thinking of Thurman Munson. Yeah, you're right, Gorman Thomas. All right, I don't know yeah. who it is. I got. It. I think we should do our a quick top five list of our top five Gormans. Taking <laughs> a taking a, a page from the old afternoon saloon All top right. five. I can't name one other Gorman. I mean, that's just that's just a little 78 Brewers name if there ever was, and it only exists in that context. Uh, so yeah, that's that's one way Javi got in the news. Um, Another way Javi got in the news was last night by, in a tie game, not running out a pop-up that ended up dropping in the center of, of the outfield to the Mets' horrendous defense. Uh, he did the, he compounded the issue. He did get to first on it. It should have been a double easily, but he got to first and then was kind of meandering, walking around, not on the bag, and he pretty much got thrown out. Uh <laughs> 10 seconds after the play was over, but replay reviewed and it showed that he barely got back to the base uh, just before being tagged. It was a, just a bizarre play, but it was, it was all because Javi wasn't buying, wasn't, wasn't paying attention. He was just kind of wallowing in his, in his funk, whatever he's in and not, and not running out of ball and not paying attention even after he realized he fucked up and compounded the problem. So now everybody's up in arms. Uh, they want him benched today. They bench want him. him. Uh, and you could say people just want to punish punish athletes for when they see them do things that are wrong, or they want to trade them. They want them, yeah. I mean, logged, I, hard and feathered, whatever. They, I think that's all stupid. The the point is, what do you do to make him not do it ever again? You know, is is benching him today going to do that? Does he already I, know not yeah. to do that again? Yes, well, of the, course he does. That's the questions, yeah. And well, the question, I mean, this falls back to Ross at this point. Yeah, exactly. 
And that was the, and, and, the topic and, and, on Chicago Sports Talk Radio. I mean, I know, you know, he's the coach coming in and he's also an ex-teammate. So that makes Friends. things a little interesting. Um, yeah. That makes a dynamic. But I also think, like, you're probably more apt to perform for a friend versus some uh, 76-year-old manager. No comment. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, so... I don't think that's a problem there. I don't think Ross has a problem going up and since they are friends, since they were teammates and telling Javi, like, get your shit together. But it well, does, doesn't he like, know that he needs to get his shit together? I mean, no, is he embarrassed I, I, no, enough? I, but, but like, it's so weird. We hear stories like this all the time. Like players are lacking focus and then they, they, uh, you know, they, they get talked to by the manager and then they turn their season around and shit like that. They're, we all know these guys are fucking mental, right? They're, they have a lot of mental issues in regards to what's in their head when playing the game. And for all we know, I've seen this happen with players before. I remember the year people were like, maybe Tim Anderson's not the shortstop of the future, the year his freaking friend died. And you did not yeah. find out about that until towards the end of the season. And then everyone was like, oh, well, fuck me. You know, like yeah. maybe we shouldn't have been so hard on the guy. And we don't know what Javi may be having off-field issues we're not aware of. There's one thing we do know. When you look at the balls that this guy gets to in most cases, does he commit really stupid errors sometimes? 100%, like total lack of concentration errors. But we know defensively uh, he's arguably one of he's, – he's like a top – probably five shortstop maybe the top three shortstop in the league his numbers of like he's got like a it's like a a measure of like you know ability to get to balls with putouts and and um like double plays or something he's like four he was like four nine six or something last year which is like one of the highest in the league mm -hmm. so like he's a super talented guy the the problem is like his, he finally came around with his bat for yeah. two straight years, and everyone was like, "Well, fuck, this dude's gonna get paid." Well, um, and, and now, I mean, we're only twenty games or eighteen games into the season for our for the, our Chicago teams. Um, oddly enough, the Padres have played twenty one games, the most of anyone in baseball. Um, but um. He could in in the next ten games, his average could be two sixty, you know, because of the because uh, of the you know sample size right now. So, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't hang him by a rope just yet. I, I, I we're we're not in a sprint this year. I understand panic last year at this point because you're already eighteen games in the season and you only have you know forty two games left. That's not actually that much in a baseball season. So I get panic last year it, uh, uh, on bad starts and stuff like that. But I still think last year was an anomaly. And I think you just wait to see how it how it plays out. The question for the Cubs is, do you try to resign them at a low point to get some savings? Well, here I'm glad I'm glad you um. Can you hear me okay? I've yeah, yeah. I, thanks for hitting the mute on the, uh, on yeah. the buzz again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, if this audio shit wasn't happening, we would have the perfect segue because it's almost like we planned this because that was going to be my main question I was, that I wanted to ask you when you brought up Javi being paid. Um, my question's going to be, 
what is Javi Javi Baez worth? Um, and what what should the Cubs, if they want to resign him, what should they pay? There was a, and I bring this up because Sunday night, uh, Cubs are on Sunday night baseball against the against the Braves, and so the big the big boys come to town and bring up issues that the nation is talking about. And Buster Olney brought up uh, shaving new, his pubes. Yeah, not fortunately he was not. <laughs> I'm assuming he was his scrotum was shorn. Um, he his balls were were clipped. Whatever whatever weird euphemism he was making for his manscaping promo, but uh, he did mention some new news about Javi Baez and the Cubs negotiations last spring. We had heard that prior to the COVID shutdown, the Cubs and Baez were close to signing an extension and that got scuttled because of COVID. And we didn't never heard what the numbers or the term or anything was about that. Well, Buster broke the news that, the Cubs offered him $180 million uh, back last March. And it didn't, he didn't know the years, I don't think, or at least I did not see that as part of part of the story. But, of course, uh, John Heyman had to, had to butt in at some point and said, oh, I, I heard it was only 160 or to 170 But Ooh, whatever, uh, whatever John how thinks. You, how can you live off of that? Yeah. Uh, but so – I guess you kind of see those numbers, then you compare compare that to what you know, some not well, pretty similar shortstops in Francisco Lindor got three hundred forty one million dollars. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. got three hundred forty million dollars over ten years, and has own, hasn't played a full one hundred sixty two games yet. So it puts into context what what is Javi Javi Baez's value right now. I mean, and, if, if you take that contract, sorry to interrupt you, I apologize. Um, if you take that contract and just guess, right? So let's just say it was $30 million a year, right? For six years. Sure. That per year value puts them right in the ballpark of those guys. He is a 28-year-old. He was 27 at the time. Now he's 28, um, getting into his what should be his peak years. I think a six-year deal. 30 million that that seemed more than reasonable as we have been beating up the cubs for the last year and a half on being cheap and so that 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 sounds like a reasonable a reasonable amount the difference is now obviously we are in a post covid world or current and post covid economy and you know even though we thought those the numbers would be depressed from that we are still seeing recent contracts like the ones i just mentioned the 340 plus million for those two shortstops so it's just, it's just an. I don't think we need to have an answer, but I wanted to ask the question: What is Javi worth, and what what would a what would his contract be? I think that that would almost change by the week, by the month. You know what he what he's doing because there's such it's so many things have happened in such a short period of time. You know, since that contract that he's played in 80 games, you know, 60 last year and 20 this year. So, and those were pretty fucking bad. So I, I like your strategy from the from the Cubs perspective to try to get him to sign a deal right now where he's at the, the lowest point of his value or of his production over, over this time. I don't think he's going to sniff $180 million though. Well, I think not that, right now. I, I do. Can I guess it's impossible to know what he's going to do between now and when he possibly reaches free agency or if he can come up with a deal, but even if he gets on a hot streak, I don't think he's going to go. I don't think there's any way he gets more than 180. Do, do you? No, no, and and 
and even like 180 at let's just say it's five years i mean if you take the per year on that i mean he's over 30 million dollars a year i mean yeah that again there's no reason he's 28 years old fuck your 10-year contract it's not gonna happen no and, th and that's what's so different I'm, I'm not sure how old lindor is i believe he's younger but you know we know tatis is younger he's got the 10-year deal because yeah He's going to be around. He'll be in his early thirties by the time that runs out. So yeah, and even even if it remakes it, as we've talked about too, because right. there's so many different opt outs in that thing. Mm -hmm. Same with the Lindor one. So like, like you know, probably a lot of a lot of these ten year deals we're not going to see to fruition, like you know the Angels and the Pujols deal, like an Albatross. But um, yeah. but um, it, I don't. I just. It is it is a really perplexing question because the biggest problem with contracts is is you know payers get played for what they did not what they're projected to do mm -hmm. yeah uh, in a lot of cases in a lot of cases and that's um, what the Cubs try not to do and they right. haven't done so far but you're right right and you know we see it most probably in football even more so than baseball but um, you know sit and wait on for either side is, uh, mm -hmm. is not good. Yeah, and, and I think the that's reason, what they have to do, though. Yeah, I think I think I think if you sit and wait on the Cubs side of things, you you risk him turning it around, and and maybe there's a demand that he gets more than what they originally offered. I don't think that's the case, but whatever. Uh, if you're Baez and you don't turn this around. You're now at like a 140, 120. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're just, you're like the guaranteed rate sign. Your rate of return <laughs> is, is maybe he'll be traded to the White Sox and it'll fit in. Um, so, um, like, it is really, you know, the it's what the British would call a sticky wicket, you know? So, uh, wow. yeah. Um, yeah, that's why yeah. I brought it up. I thought it was a fascinating question. We're not going to be able to answer that, but I no. think I think we're going to be looking at it. It's going to be one of the biggest questions of of the season. Um, and I think I think they are. It's just going to be waited out and see what the fuck happens. I think the Cubs do want him back. I think I've been on record for over a year now saying he is the one they should prioritize uh, to resign. They have, and I I just along with that, I assume that they'd be resigning. Rizzo, that would just be a no-brainer. That has yet to happen. Um, well, so th there's lots of variables there, out there, and what the there, what the new economy and the new the new Cubs regime uh, with Jed Hoyer and the, their whole perspective post-COVID is going to be. What what are the Cubs? But well, they haven't signed Rizzo because he sucks, as my shirt says. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought brought up Rizzo sucks because I think you've got a story about our the T-shirts we're I, wearing right now, our I, I aesthetics do. I, I specials. Do. I, I had to finally come clean and say that our aesthetics ass face of the franchise shirts are done in irony because we took some of the most like, we took the most likable players on the teams and, and said they sucked. But people because, aren't getting that. I mean, I thought that was pretty they, obvious what we're doing. No, 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 no. This is what happened. So, uh, I'm, um, uh, do you remember I'm at, I'm at, uh, Nick's beer garden in Bucktown. Mm -hmm. um, oh Yeah. Uh, they just remodeled it. Uh, part they of did the move had... away from Chicago one month what? ago. I do, I do yeah. recall. <laughs> do you remember Chicago, right? I was only there for 24 years. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. Trying to remember Nick's Beer Garden in Bucktown. Um, so they remodeled it recently. Um, uh, unfortunately, they had to remodel because they 
had some bullet holes that went through the glass and shot up the bar on the inside. So it's all nicely new and remodeled. And uh, the reason we picked Nick's is because we had this happy hour group that hasn't gotten together. That was supposed to get together probably like almost, it was right when the COVID, we went into lockdown. So it was a little... Yeah, it was a little past the year anniversary of when we were supposed yeah. to get together. And and Nick's, um, because it's just like a local joint, like they didn't have a 90-minute time limit, you know? So you could just hang out in there with your group. and, and oh, I didn't know about the 90-minute time limit. That's yeah, most most places you got You have to have a reservation even at a bar, and there's a 90-minute yeah. time limit still. So, <clears throat> so we picked there. So anyway, long story short is there were Sox and Cubs fans. So... I didn't. I don't. I don't call attention to my shirt. I'm. I'm waiting for a reaction, right? So uh, the first one to react is D, who's a Cubs fan. He's like, "Does your shirt say Rizzo sucks?" <laughs> She's like, "What the fuck is that?" I'm like, "I don't know. I mean, the guy's asking for. He thinks fifteen million dollars isn't enough. I mean, he kind of does suck. I don't agree with that. So then, so then, uh." Michelle is sitting across the table and she's a White Sox fan and her husband is like a diehard White Sox fan uh, like me. And she's like, wow, Peter. I mean, I don't even think that Chris would agree with you on that. He would, (laughs) he would, uh, he would uh, not, not he, I don't even think Chris would like that shirt, even though he doesn't like the Cubs. And I'm just like, okay. So I just like, let it sit for a little bit. Right. So then like I'm walking to the, getting up to go to the bathroom and people are just like looking at me, like shaking their heads. I'm like, I might get, I might get knifed in the bar tonight. Proper reaction then. Yeah. So finally I get back and I'm like, Hey guys, listen, we have a series of shirts and I'm, and I pulled up the store called the ass face of the franchise. It's all in irony. We took like the nicest, most lovable guys. Oh yeah. So like, cause like, cause like, I think D even brought up, she's like, I mean, the dude had cancer and he hangs out with cancer <laughs> patients. All right. Yes. All right. All right. We get it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was not well received. Uh, wow. I will, I will continue to wear it though. Cause it's a real conversation starter. It's perfect. Yeah. I it's mean, exactly. uh, what a better so way to bring up the podcast and the so aesthetics. Then, shop. Right. And then lots of compliments after that. Oh my God. Okay. There's so many fucking cool shirts on here. I'm like, well then go buy one for the yeah. love of God. We're tired a few, of hearing but- how, how cool the shirts are that Smitty's made and ideas we've both shared that Smitty's executed. Just fucking go buy some. Uh, shout, yeah, out to, shout out to Matt Veneri for purchasing a uh, La Pantera shirt. So. Ah, yeah. Yeah, you can yeah. find all those shirts at aesthetics.shop. It's A-S-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S dot shop in case people are spelling it wrong. Maybe that's why they can't get there. But yeah, maybe you can perplex and piss off antagonize or we have plenty of positive shirts out there we do we do one of my favorites is uh the what's it the socks in the 70s or something like that the socks of the 70s super socks of the 70s it's a great it was a great idea smitty came up with there i gotta i gotta order myself up one of those that's one of my favorites so um anyway enough i think we should talk about your white socks in general now you've been an eventful week how awesome our shirts are. Ozzy Dean on the line here on WSCR with Bob Brunley, Mike North, Fred Humner, Annie Mary. How you doing, Ozzy? Oh, shut the fuck up. That ball hit high and deep. Way back. Way back. And not quite out of here. Dead. 
the mire to mediocrity. Tell me about when you were being interviewed for the potential White Sox manager's job. I was drunk. you got to be bleeping. You know, just when we look like we're getting healthy again, um, I haven't been able to confirm this. I've been I've been scouring the wire, the the interwebs. Uh, I had originally heard Adam Engel was set to return tonight for the series, but I have not. There's been no official word yet, so yeah. don't know if it's this series or maybe uh, next next week when uh, we should be close to 100 percent. Because uh, the other kind of blow to us was that um, Lance Lynn. Mm-hmm. Ended up on the IL with a strained um, uh, like trapezius. A, yeah, trapezius, which is in the shoulder. I've never um, heard that. I remember hearing that term. I don't think I've heard it since, but I remember hearing it as a kid, like watching NWA or N- NWC wrestling, where they would always talk <laughs> about maybe Ultimate Warriors uh, trapezius muscles. But now, yeah, now I haven't heard that since. But now Lance Lynn has a trapezius issue, which is yeah, so, not minor, but I, I don't know. I think it's a little concerning. So La La, Sleepy LaRusa, you can get that shirt at aesthetics.shop. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, come came on and he's been pretty honest. He's been dead on. Uh, you know, he, he said Timmy was going to come back, uh, on this home series and he did. And he, he said, Lance Lynn's only going to miss one start. So what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean much after the greatest of what I'm calling the greatest rainout of the 2021 season in Cleveland on uh, Wednesday night. What that essentially did with Wednesday night's game canceled and the Thursday, the day off, the Sox were going to be able to reset the rotation and not have to worry about using Kopech in a spot start, although he did perform very well in Boston. Yeah, he did. Um, um, we're not going to have to worry about you know taxing the relievers and with, 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 a, with a bullpen game or anything like that. If he comes back on his scheduled day of Wednesday or Thursday of next week, they will have lined it up perfectly. The question is just how are they going to line it up? Because Keuchel or Seas can go today. Giolito can definitely go tomorrow. So I don't know if they're going to line it up. Keuchel, Giolito, because most most starters want to stay on the on a normal day's rest. Some guys like an extra day. Some guys don't. Um, then probably cease day off because they get another day off on Monday. And then you come back with, um, with Rodon. And then you have the option. If, if Lance Lynn needs an extra day or, or so you could come back with Keiko cause he will have had five days rest. So the, the two days off in a row and the extra day off next week really has, has helped help the Sox hopefully get through what is only a 10 day IL stint for Lance Lynn, who's been performing really well. Um, the other, you know, some other big news of the week is we learned that, uh, Lucas Giolito is not a morning guy, um, by any way, shape or form. And, uh, I was only list. I had to listen to it, uh, on the radio. Good old Len Casper. Even he makes DJ actually a little bit better. I agree. Um, I had to listen to it on the radio because I was at work and they basically were saying like every, you know, his changeup, which had developed into a moving changeup where someone where batters were not able to square up was just hanging up there. And, and the, and the, 
the Red Sox were just like the first six batters reached on hits, not on walks or anything. They mm-hmm. reached on on solid contact. Those were those were barrels on the ball, and he just had like a really ungiolito like outing um, to the what is the best team in baseball right now offensively. Um, so you know, I'm I'm guessing he's gonna bounce back. It's yeah, fine. There's, there's I'm, not, so I'm, much- I'm not panicking. There's so many weird things, and these are going to sound like excuses, except I'm not a Sox fan or a G. Lito fan, but you've got to look at that Patriots Day game as bizarre. They play at, what, 11 o'clock local time? Ten, yeah, 11 so o'clock 10 local. O'clock, it started 10-10 here is when yeah, the game so, first pitch was. So, you know, G. Lito's a uh, resident of the central time zone, so his his biological clock is at 10 a.m. trying to, trying to pitch. That's the only game probably since he was in little league. I don't know when, when <laughs> yeah, people play like, at 10 a.m. other than that right, game. Exactly. Yeah. Um, not that the, not that the Red Sox would necessarily have an advantage, you know, maybe they, you know, they do it once a year too. So it's, it's not that big. I'd, I'd be curious to see what the, what the stats on Patriots day games are, but it's, it's ridiculous. I get why they do it. It's, it's kind of a cool tradition to follow up the Boston marathon typically, yeah. which isn't, isn't even being run this year or it's not being run till October. I don't think, but, um, I, I think you can say, you know, considering what, what G has done over the last two years, I think you could chalk that up to just a bizarre, a bizarre set of circumstances that, that he's not going to have to deal with ever again. But I guess we'll see. I mean, if this continues into the, into his next start, you, I would, I would definitely pay some attention to that, but I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'd, definitely. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, I, I decided to look this up real quick. The Patriot, uh, it does seem to be a decided advantage for the Red Sox. They are 70 and 53 That's on interesting. Patriots Day. Okay. Yes. So th- there you go. The power of the internet. Um, speaking of the Red Sox real quick, uh, so they were their City Connected jerseys. I think we should just squeeze this in right here. Uh, yeah, we talked nice about to find, But it was nice to find out, like, um, re- I know we talked about it. It was nice to find out that that jersey, uh, the whole idea did represent the Boston Marathon. Sure. So uh, it was kind of neat to find out like why it looked like that. Uh, while it didn't like necessarily say traditional Boston Red Sox, I didn't think the jersey was that bad when I saw it on the field. Like, it's fine. We're just... like, yeah, people are just like overreacting to it. I'm like, I get it's not what they normally wear, but yeah, I don't know, it's kind of fine to me. It's, it's a good looking jersey, but it'd be a great, it'd be the perfect jersey for UCLA. It just oh, it yeah, doesn't make yeah. sense for the Boston Red Sox. That's fine. Oh, I mean, yeah. we talked yeah, about yeah. that, yeah. and you're right. It did it did look nice, but I was just it's just jarring to see that in yeah. Fenway Park. But so uh, yeah, speaking of that, I was thinking one of the one of the one of the Sox, uh, one of the Chicago teams. I'm thinking one of their jerseys. will probably be the Sox one. Will just be white with a blood splatter on it. Okay. Be the true city connect. The wow. true city connect because yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that's a dark joke. Wow, that's it is a dark joke, but, but uh, unfortunately, murder. They need to. They need to. The news needs to be someone wasn't shot here, uh, not that someone was shot here. So on on the expressway. Um. Anyway, I, I I digress. Um. So um. Uh, now I've taken myself right out of my train of thought. Well, so the Sox, we were in uh, Boston, yeah, the, the heterosexual the Sox, series. Yeah, yeah, the Sox split uh, with with the Red Sox. And what were two pretty like? It was interesting. They there were like both teams had lopsided victories in in that series, and then there was a tight one. So it was a uh, it was a pretty well played series. And you know, for two of the games, they they kept the the 
Red Sox bats in check. Um, they really had the in game one was really the reliever hiccup, and then they uh, they they showed up in Cleveland, and the talk going into that Cleveland game was when is Jose Abreu going to start hitting? Well, uh, he decided to start in the Cleveland game when he just destroyed two balls to left field, uh, which was nice to see. The Sox had four home runs that game, which included one from someone who I'm starting to think uh, may turn out to be a bad contract for the White Sox, Yasmani Grandel, mm. who has been, who was called in that game for yet another uh, catcher's interference. interference. Yeah. Um, the catcher's interference re- led uh, the day before in Boston uh, to a really, uh, oh no, in Cleveland, led to a really bad inning for Rodon that started off with an error, not for Rodon like as, as his sure. pitching, but for bad luck for him. Then the next error was catcher's interference, mm. which is the fourth time he's been called for that already this year. Yeah, that's a problem. Now, I... Uh, I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to get to the ball and frame it so it looks like a strike. You can't do it and put that in jeopardy of putting a guy on base for free. Yeah. So he's got a, he's the, who's ever on the hook for that. I don't know who the freaking catcher's coach is. That is such a rare occurrence. It's kind of amazing. He's got four this, you said four this season already? I mean, you could go. I mean, a lot of catchers have four in their career, let alone in right. three weeks. So that, that's yeah. amazing. There's yeah. something I going on. I think you're right, though. It's, it's the reaching out to frame the pitch, and it's yeah. kind of missing the point. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, he needs to, he needs to uh, get that fixed and uh, get his bat a little bit more in order. But again, yeah. it's, still earlier. it's still early in the season, so I'm not going to panic about that. Um, so the you know the Sox the Sox offense is top ten still the pitching is top ten still but they're nine and nine and they're six and six on the road so they play twelve road games and only six home games so far so like mm. so far I kind of feel like I just take that record you know uh, we'll see it, I I'll have a different feeling depending on how this home series goes starting with Texas tonight um, next week yeah. and as we look back as April as a whole but. You know they've 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 done a good they've split a lot of series on the road and they played 500 on the road which is you know what you what you yeah. ask for a team but you got to play above 500 at home is what normally happens like the Cubs are actually a few games above 500 at home and a few games under on the road which is how they got to their 500 yeah so um yeah so uh, the only other thing is uh, I think we're we're sort of seeing uh the Yerminator, he's sort of coming down to earth now. Mm. Um, you know, he's still batting 390 with a <laughs> with a one a 1090 OPS. So I'm not gonna wow. complain. No. But I just I just kind of think uh, you know, if he's set in where he's an over 300 hitter, he's more than done his job for the year. Even if he settles in at like 280 and keeps you know, hitting long balls and, and producing RBIs. He's got four home runs, 12 RBIs, seven runs. If he does all that, then you know what? He's, he's, he's earned his right, you know, to be the DH of the team, which was funny that we talked about last week. Who knew he was there the whole time. <laughs> um, so could have saved $10 million on that shitty signing last year. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's it uh, for the Sox. 
All right. Well, I think we should take a break before we get into shit we couldn't make up and our very special asshole of the week. So we will be right back on the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. Hey, everybody. How you doing out there? This is Pete from Major League Gay Holes, the show. And are you enjoying our podcast? Well, if you are, why don't you show us some love and support us and get something in return at our new aesthetic shop? Do you like to annoy your inner town rivals? Then White Sox fans, why don't you buy a Rizzo Suck shirt or you fucking A's fans, get a Posey Suck shirt from our Ass Face of the Franchise collection. You want to celebrate the legends of baseball? We got the hammer, the bird, the wizard. Oh, the great catfish hunter, as the great Hawk Carrollson used to say. He loved catfish. That's from our badass collection. Or do you want to just support your area? So you got the Northside, Southside, Motor City, and Bay Area collections. Again, all of this is available at aesthetics.shop, the official shit of Major League A-Holes. All right, well, let's start with some funny shit you couldn't make up. Oh, you guys like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around, huh? What have we got here? A fucking comedian. <laughs> For a sturdy cemetery. Come on to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. The funniest thing I saw this week was easily Lucas Sims, reliever for the Cincinnati Reds, uh, who really didn't want to play baseball, apparently, at, at some point. <laughs> he did not. He did not. I, this uh, is a great story, folks. The visual is so much better than what we're going to be able to describe uh, on a podcast, but so I'll, I'll post that on the thing if you haven't seen it already on the website and in social. But um, Lucas Sims decided the torrential freezing rain that was pouring down on him as he entered the game in a in a tight situation was just too much for him to deal with and kind of can't blame him actually. Uh, he I believe he hit a batter originally and then somebody else reached on a on a hit and I think he gave up the the go ahead run and he kind of was just fed up because it was clear that he had no control over the baseball due to the due to the conditions yet the umpires decided to, to play on and Lucas decided to take matters into his own hands by just continually tossing out the baseball he was given, which is a, a pretty standard thing to do. You see it all the time where, you know, a ball gets tossed out to the pitcher and he doesn't like the seams or whatever they don't like about it. And they just throw it towards the dugout and get a new ball. Umpire gives the catcher a ball and the catcher throws it out. It started to look odd when that happened three times, four times in a row, I think. Uh, <laughs> Then eventually Sims stepped off the back of the mound um, when the umpires came out and right in front of the mound, about 15 feet in front of him, started tossing him balls. And <laughs> Sims just repeatedly just tossed him right directly into the dugout. And it happened three times in like three seconds is the funniest part of the video where it's just it's like, is this on a loop? What is this? And finally, the umpire realized what the fuck was happening. It was a battle of wills like you need to play ball. I am not playing ball. Uh, eventually, eventually the umpire relented and just called and delayed the game, which ended up being resumed the next day. But just funny as hell. I've heard I've heard Lucas Sims referred to as a hero for standing up to the umpire the way he did in, in adverse conditions. I 
you know, I wasn't there. I don't know how bad it was. Was he just throwing a fit because he had a bad outing? Was he blaming the conditions? The conditions look pretty fucking shitty. So I, I could see his point. I kind of don't know why the, the umps wouldn't work with him a little bit more on that or why it, it just looked hilarious. The, the battle yeah. of wills. Was, I think you saw hilarious. the same thing. Yeah. yeah, it was hilarious. And you know, he's like, I can't grip, I couldn't grip the ball. I mean, that's why he hit the yeah. batter. Yeah. He, he couldn't, he couldn't get the right grip on the ball. It was too slippery. And he's like, we shouldn't be playing baseball in freezing rain. And I kind of, I have to agree with them. Yeah. It's bad enough when they kind of, you know, I guess if it's a light rain, whatever, but it's, it, you know, the, we, we have seen games where, where, uh, you know, players, you know, could possibly get injured or something because of the, the fields being too wet, especially yeah. if they're not a Roger Bossert field. And uh, <laughs> I don't believe Cincinnati is, but no, it be. is not. But um, uh, I don't believe it is either. Actually, I don't know that for sure. So anyway, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was the funniest thing I've seen in a long time in baseball. It was just ridiculous. Um, so I've got one about my favorite bat licker in baseball, Yasiel Puig, who said you know, bat licker, right? I did say bat licker. Yes, who's been uh, you know rumored to be headed to the White Sox multiple times, but. No one wants to touch this guy because of his inconsistencies and erratic behavior. So Yasiel Puig's gone Kenny Powers style and signed with the Veracruz Mexican League for $13,000 a month plus uh, incentives uh, with uh, uh, sponsorships. So he said he signed with them in hopes to prove to Major League Baseball team that he is useful to them and get back to MLB. But it is it is pretty funny. It is this is like I wonder I wonder if this will cause Danny McBride to maybe write a, another <laughs> season of uh, Eastbound and Down, but maybe like with a different character or something where I he's like the he's the Jedi Master to Puig going to Mexico and how to navigate down there or something. One way or the other, Puig needs his own television show. I, I, oh, I would watch sure. that. that. Yeah, I would totally watch that. So, yeah, so uh, I thought that was um, some pretty uh, crazy shit you couldn't make up. Well, my next funny shit you couldn't make up isn't all that funny if you're a batter in the major leagues. Uh, the batting, current batting average for all of the major leagues is 233. And I wanted to put that in some perspective. You know, batting average has kind of been maligned over the last 20 years in favor of OBP and then OPS and whatever else. But it's a, it's a it's kind of a flawed individual stat. But I think it, I think it shows larger trends um, pretty well when you look at team levels or league levels over the years. And I did did a little bit of quick research. The Highest batting average in history, league-wide batting average in history, is way back in 1930 when it was 296, and it's been on decline ever since. Um, you know, it's plateaued over the years. Uh, the last, the lowest it had ever been was 237, and that was in 1968, which is famous for m- several things. First of all, my Tigers won the World Series in 1968. It was also considered the year of the pitcher. Uh, because historically low ERAs by players like Bob Gibson, uh, Mickey, Mickey Cock. No, I forget. Damn it. I forgot their names, but, um, the best, the best of that year was definitely Bob Gibson. But, um, so that's 237 was the league batting average that year. We are now at 233, which 
is obviously historic, uh, although we are only three weeks into the season, but it's even, it's been a decline. You know, we've seen this decline over the years and we've been talking about this for years now, how the, how there's just not many balls in play and therefore batting averages are going down as well. But it's the, it's precipitously lower than even last year. We thought last year was a low point. That was 245, uh, the league batting average over 60 games times 30 teams. Um, that's a, it's still a pretty sub- substantial sample size. But previous years to that, uh, the previous decade, the, the teens um, pretty much hovered in the 250s. So it never was below, I think, 252 in all 2010 to 2019. It dropped to 245 last year. Now it's 233. And it's just it's just amazing how how that um, how that has dropped. But you know, in 1968, the other reason that year is famous is because they dropped the mound after that. It used to be 15 inches tall, and now it is nine inches tall. And that that was their reaction to uh, get some offense back into baseball. And we we are now at that at that point where the batting averages have dipped to that level where. I, where major league baseball is going to have to step in and make some changes. And we, we've, we've talked about the changes they're making at the minor league level as experiments, um, different things, but the new, the new one is moving, moving back the mound, moving the mound back a foot from the famous 60 feet, six inches to 61 feet, six inches, which that's just being talked about in the Atlantic league. I don't think that's being implemented anytime soon, but, but we, I guess, I'm bringing this up because the the numbers do say it. We are seeing it. Your 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 eyes aren't deceiving you. There are not many balls being hit into play or being made into hits. And I think his, history says baseball will be making changes. So we, I think, we will see some dramatic changes. Whether we'll, we'll find out what those are, but to, to boost the offense next year, we we will see it. So that was some historic, more historic shit I couldn't make up. I, I'm just curious how much of this is affected by the change of the baseball this year again. Because um, well, we'll balls, because because yeah. I don't think, and I'll, I'll look up the stat, but uh, when for next week, I bet balls in play isn't down that much. I bet it's more about uh, outs and balls that maybe had traveled a little bit further in mm-hmm. years past are just flyouts. I mean. We have seen a few, a few. I've seen a few comments uh, from broadcast teams where, wow, I think that would have been a home run last year or the year before, and um, just by the sound, the ball made off the bat and then yeah. just died in the outfield. Now, in some situations, like if you're at, you know, you know, guaranteed rate, it's cold out there right now, so right. the ball's it's, not traveling as well. It's so anecdotal, small sample yeah. size. We get that, but we're yeah. we're gonna have this. We'll, we'll be able to analyze that for sure over the whole season. So I, I think that'll be fascinating to see in 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 coming months how those numbers. But yeah, look at look at the BABIP to see what see what that really means. Yeah. So, all right. So uh, I've got a more of a fun one since Mister 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 Depressing over here. I've got a more uh, depressing one after this, so this oh, better be good. good. Well, this is good. This is good. This is a fun one. This we're going to talk about the Yerminator again, and uh, mm. you know one of our favorite jokes. It's your Yerminator uh, T-shirt at aesthetics.shop. <laughs> we're, we're, by the way, we've only gotten three of those in today. We're way past last week's <laughs> average of like. Oh, there'll be more. Every, we have time. One left. every three minutes. Um. So, 
the uh, Yerminator, you know, the the latest the latest uh, hero of the South Side, and you know, I'm sure the statue is already being constructed right oh, now, yeah. um, as they love statues. At, at Sox uh, have a resident at, at statue so statuarian statue sculptor. Yeah, I mean, you they need have a to. Lot of you need there. You need to. You need to. Um, uh, but Freddy's a, a great Italian joint. Freddy's on 35th has mm. made a Yerminator burger. Oh, I've heard That's about this. Right. Yeah, the Yerminator burger, which is um, which uh, honors honors uh, Mercedes by using Dominican flavors. It's it mimics the chimichurri burger uh, found over the Dominican. So it's got um, uh, Bertucci, the owner of Freddy's, uh, said it's the only burger we have where all the vegetables are grilled. It's grilled onions, grilled tomatoes, Ooh. grilled peppers on a toasted bun. And they even made a special like chimichurri sauce for it. So I'm gonna plug uh, I'm gonna plug Pete's Food Frenzies right now because I think we're gonna see a review of the Urinator Burger oh. in the distant future. Maybe we, most, almost like a crossover it's a, segment. I was just gonna say this is a crossover opportunity. Yeah, well, you'll have to wear your Rizzo suck shirt while you're there and talk about oh, the I podcast sure and everything maybe, else. Yeah. Maybe Maybe the Rizzo suck shirt will will get some random uh, interviews with people or something. So we'll see what happens. Awesome! I love it. Yeah, I can't wait to see so, that yeah. review. Double post. So there we go. Sure. Well, my last uh, usually <laughs> funny shit you could make up is not funny at all because it has to do with injuries. But it's it's the irony <laughs> who's getting injured and how they're getting injured. Um, the biggest young names of the game are all getting hurt. We saw Fernando Tatis Jr. go down with a shoulder injury that looked terrifying. Uh, he was writhing around in pain on the on the ground for some time. He came back at the minimum 10 days and did hit a home run in his return against the Dodgers. Um, but he's had three hits since that in this week and is... I think his batting he's he's well below 200 for the year. Um uh yeah, because they said he had to change his batting style. He has that to. shoulder. Yeah. yeah. He'd do the flyaway, you know, one-hander exit whatever you call that where he's got to keep two hands in the bat now to protect his shoulder and he's he's not the same right now, which is just it just sucks. Um especially sucks for the Padres who just paid him 340 million for the next 10 years if he's got chronic chronic health issues, but it's not limited to just him. It's it's the other huge names that are all happen to be young players, uh, young superstars that all went in the first round of our fantasy draft. Uh, Juan Soto went down two nights ago with a, with a similar shoulder injury. I don't think it was quite to the extent, but he is as Tatis, but he is on the IL. I haven't seen much about that, but that was a disturbing thing. The, the, the weirdest one was Ronald Acuna Jr., um, which happened on Sunday Night Baseball while the Cubs were playing the Braves on ESPN. He uh, he had a base hit, and then I forget if he slid into, slid into first or what he was doing, but he came up pointing at his abdomen, and it was clear he was in some discomfort. Maybe it was second base where he slid in for a steal, but um, he stayed in the game. And which was encouraging that he didn't have to come right out, but everyone, you know, the broadcast crew and there was, there was quite some quite concerned. Uh, and he, he did remain in the game eventually to score on a, I believe a sacrifice. Uh, no, it may have been a base hit, but sorry, I don't have these facts straight, but the, the point is he actually slid head first into home plate on the play where he didn't need to. There wasn't even a play at the plate. I believe the ball was cut off. 
but to slide in head first when you already have like a, a tweaked abdomen issue, uh, he got up from that and you could see he was seriously fucked up then. And now has been placed on the DL or on the IL. And so it, it's just kind of a weird, weird decision-making by the, by the Braves to leave him in the game. And then on Acuna, Acuna for sliding head first when he didn't need to slide at all. And he could have slid in feet first and protected his, his stomach a bit, but now he's got some kind of core issue that, you know, those, I haven't heard what the extent of that is going to be. I don't know if anyone really knows, but it's just, it just sucks. Um, having the biggest name, the young player, the exciting players in the game, all getting hurt in the same couple of weeks. Um, I guess it's, it's certainly not funny shit you couldn't make up, but it's shit you could, couldn't make up that they would all be hurt in a, in a, in a two week span. So I think you've got one more that hopefully will lift our spirits or is that no, it? No, that was, that was it. Cause my other okay. one was the, was the Cincinnati Reds reliever. Oh, okay. Yeah. I stole that one from you. Yeah. Well, I guess if that won't lift your spirits or if we've got your spirits down enough, I think we should transition over to our favorite segment asshole of the week. What is your problem? You insensitive asshole. Pardon my French. But you're an asshole. Who the fuck is this asshole? Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. <laughs> asshole of the week. It's going to be a very, a very different one than we normally have, as last week's was different in that I was asshole of the week for getting my facts wrong about the previous asshole of the week, which is a long story that you can check out at, on episode 61 of the podcast. Um, but this week's is going to go back to a debate we had last week on episode 61 about Wilson Contreras and my thoughts about being hit uh, intentionally on pitching staffs, whether that was the right thing to do or if there, if it's a necessary thing to do in baseball. Um, I guess I, I'll let you take it from here. Uh, we're we're going to decide who is the, the real asshole of this week, or maybe we won't decide who's the real asshole uh, this week. So, um, so I went on a fact finding mission um, that I was sent on by, by Smitty to by your own to, accusations. I was by my own accusations. That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> and I knew what episodes to look at because I remembered, which is a rarity because we do have a segment sometimes called Shit Pete Forgot, which <laughs> actually there is a Shit Pete Forgot this week. So we'll oh, tease that yeah, out in the I next few that. seconds. Nice tease. Another uh, tease. Nice for tease for, for the, um, <laughs> there's one thing I forgot to say in the sock segment. Um, anyway, so, um, I went first to our, we had a, a pretty good, fun debate. We, we you know, uh, on Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Cordero, um, intentionally or not intentionally hitting Wilson Contreras, uh, last, this September. was last year. You were referencing. Last, yeah, yes. Yes. A year ago. So our conversation it, last week. it wasn't in that episode, but it was in the next week's episode because there was a very serious, um, could have been to Smitty's point fatal. Um, at least, at least probably some sort of IL stint from it for the concussion when, uh, asshole of baseball, Araldis Chapman with his history through at, uh, who was the player's head on Tampa Bay? Uh, I forgot the guy's name now. Yeah. Anyway, um, he threw out his head and, and it was like a 105 mile or 101, 101 miles an hour yeah. at his head. 
and he he managed just to duck out of the like just move his head down last night so so you know like smitty which is what this argument came from last week smitty in in the intro there was talking about how there's no place for headhunting in baseball and i agree wholeheartedly and i personally don't feel like hitting players in general even even uh you know, the guy who initiates it shouldn't do it. I don't think you should risk injuring another team's player as retribution. I think the whole idea of retribution is is kind of uh, an archaic Neanderthal way of thinking, but that's neither I don't, here or there. I don't disagree. I think it might be a necessary evil, but that, that's kind of not our not our yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So, so then um, Smitty went in to talk about, you know, he was thinking of making Kevin Cash the Tampa Bay manager asshole of the week because inadvertently, accidentally, Kevin Cash admits to in a postgame conference after, uh, like, it had been fueling up. I, I, it was like the Yankees had been hit 14 times. The Braves had been in 19 times in the series. Kevin Cash just, like, throws out, like, well, we haven't intentionally thrown at the Yankees in three years. And you're like, what the fuck are you saying on national TV? Immediately implying so, that he did three years ago intentionally. Throw three years it. ago, they ordered, a, you know, like, hit, go hit my, a judge or hit was, whoever. So, yeah, and that was clearly not his intent, but that's why I was joking around that I would make him asshole of the week. But So then uh, Smitty followed it up with, in that portion, and this is where, like, I, this is more of a misunderstanding than yeah. anything, a, mi a mis a misinterpretation of what Ryan meant. Uh, it was, uh, you know, him, him saying that, um, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing he, he uh, cash saying that, uh, uh, about the Yankees is just fucking gross. Yeah. And what, 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 and this is where I did say that, uh, this is where, uh, I think we're going to go with Cole assholes of the week. Um, <laughs> Ryan is an asshole for making me hunt this shit down. <laughs> I am. And I'm an I'm an asshole for for actually not doing it. Looking at it, yeah, I'm an asshole for doing it and not looking at the full scope of what he was meaning in the full context of a seven minute segment, which he was just he was saying the whole head hunting, um, you know, it, you know, like it, I'm I'm talking about head hunting here. It's, it, it's just fucking gross. I was being very. Uh, almost like cherry picking because of when he said it. Um, so we're, uh, we're going to, we are major league assholes. And I, for the first time ever, we, we had two weeks in a row. We're going to, we're going to take co-assholes this week. Um, yeah. For, uh, for, for, for this whole, this whole ordeal. I think we have to say major league a-holes is a-hole of the week. We, like we'll just, yeah. we'll just take that. There mantra. you go. Major league a-holes is, we are the number one yeah. major league a-hole. First of all, for the, the whole debate, uh, this is now the second episode in a row where we've, we've had to talk about this uh, for, for forcing our, our podcast listeners to listen to this for this long, <laughs> teasing it uh, from the previous episode and making you wait to the final final part of this episode to hear the conclusion of yeah we're just assholes for dragging this out it, we will both gladly take the mantra of assholes of the week it, it's actually my second asshole of the week in a row which is unprecedented so we, we are we, we've talked about how this has been a historic week this is another history making <laughs> moment this is this a history making so, moment of this podcast i'm, I'm proud of us we, we we're making yeah. history here so yeah we we'll, we'll gladly both accept assholes of the week so uh, the shit I forgot. Yeah, what, what did Pete forget? This is really a big deal. Um, 
the Sox go up against Dane Dunning tonight mm. in that opening night in Texas and his 0.60 ERA, Oof. which you would say right now it looks like uh, from a year-to-year standpoint, well, uh, Dunning's not going like nine innings like um, Lance Lynn, so you've got that. Right. But right now from an ERA standpoint, this trade is a bit of a wash right now um, if you're looking at it. Um, uh, just through that through through that microscope. Uh, if you looked at innings pitched, it's not. But um, anyway, so uh, it would have been interesting because I I think oh no, Lynn would Lynn would have pitched on Wednesday, but um, you know maybe they could have held him back. And, oh, uh, to face each yeah, other. He, he would they could have faced each other, which would have been a really cool story. But anyway, but like I thought it's interesting. Dane Dunning's return to the South Side tonight. That'll be that'll be much watch. I will try to tune into that. I would like to see that for sure because I think he's got a chip in his shoulder. Unfortunately, his teammates aren't much of haven't built much of a squad around them. So I I'd be shocked if the if the Rangers were able to do do much against your Chicago White Sox. But we'll find out. The weather's getting better. I think you shouldn't have any weather issues after all your rainouts and everything else going on. Yeah, no, today's going to be good. We got like sunny and 60 here today. I think yeah, there, 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 there may be some uh, like afternoon showers tomorrow or something, but I think it's another night game. I don't know. I it, it's, it, it's not anything like major, like it's going to rain all day or anything like that. So I think they'll be able to get all three of these games in. Nice. Before a day off, and then the Detroit Tigers roll into town. Oh man, uh, well, so there'll be a be... lot to talk about uh, next uh, Thursday. <laughs> we are definitely gonna have lots to talk about next week. In the meantime, you can check this podcast out anywhere you'd like to find podcasts. You can find us at majorleagueholes.com on the web. You can find us on social media at majorleagueholes. So do it. I don't know what it rate subscribe. I think it's subscribe now. Apple made a new announcement about podcasts. You have to follow or subscribe. Do all that. Do, do it. Help us. Help do us. It. Do it now. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to declare this podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. It's about time. Media.